As a parent, the four words you hope to never hear from your doctor are, your child has autism. For those of us that have heard those words, it sets us down a path that we sometimes never know existed and would become such a dominant part of our lives and the lives of our children. Once set upon this path, many parents become strong advocates for their children and others that share the same diagnosis. You're listening to ReachMD. I'm Paul Rakuski, your host. And with me today is Derek Volk, author of Chasing the Rabbit, and his son Dylan, who is diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. So, Derek, I'm going to start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm the father of four, and Dylan is our oldest son. I've been married for 30, almost 30 years to my wife, my high school sweetheart. And we had Dylan when uh, we were our seniors in college, and on purpose. And we decided to uh, have a baby. We were already married, and uh, Dylan came along, and everything was uh, was going fine and, and wonderful, actually. And then around two, uh, I came home from work one day, and my wife sat me down, and she said something's not quite right with Dylan. And I said, well. No, he's fine. I immediately went into denial. He's fine, and she said, "No, something something doesn't seem right." And I just couldn't uh, couldn't get my arms around that. And uh, we ended up uh, not knowing for years. We got bounced around from one expert to another. And uh, when he was eight, uh, he was finally diagnosed uh, with Asperger's syndrome. So that's a lot of years between two and eight to go through many different diagnoses. What what different things were you told by the medical professionals? Well, basically what we discovered is Dylan, we used to call it, he was on the diagnosis of the month club, which we felt that whatever the person that we took him to specialized in, that's what he had. And keep in mind, this was a long time ago. This was 1990, Dylan was born in 1991. So it was 1993 when my wife sat me down, and Asperger's wasn't even a diagnosis until 1994. So we could have taken him just about anywhere when she said something's not quite right with Dylan, and we would not have received Asperger's as a diagnosis. But over the next several years, we, he was diagnosed with OCD, Tourette's, uh, spirited child, not, still not really exactly sure what that is, uh, but basically, uh, ADHD, of course, basically whatever somebody specialized in, they could see traits of, of Dylan in that diagnosis. We would then go out, buy a bunch of books, and this was pre-Google, so we'd go out, buy books, come home, read through the books, and say, well, that, I guess it kind of sounds like Dylan, but it just none of the pieces all fit, and we would go to that person for therapy for a while and over time eventually figure out that while Dylan may have some some of those things, he you know, he had some transient tics over the years and he's had some O C D issues, they were not the core of what was causing the behavioral issues with Dylan, the, the social issues with Dylan, uh, the challenges that we were having with his meltdowns. Uh, none of them really made sense to us, so we just kept looking and kept looking, and eventually uh, were given the diagnosis of Asperger's when he was eight, went out and bought a book on about Asperger's, and all the lights just came on. It just, everything made sense to us, finally. So what kind of an impact does this have on you and your wife's life and, and your family that is just starting, that you're going through all of these 
different diagnoses. And finally, you find a diagnosis at eight years of age, and now you're down a specific path. Yeah, it was, it, it's been a big impact on our life, of course. And it even impacted at one point whether we're, we have, we, when Dylan was diagnosed, we had uh, two children, and then later we had discussions about whether we were going to have, we kind of felt like our, our family wasn't complete, and we talked about, well, you know, is, should we have a, we, with everything we're dealing with with Dylan, should we have another child? It seemed, it seemed kind of crazy at the time because it was not a, not a great time in our life and, and our difficulties with Dylan. And those were heavy decisions that we, that we had to make. But ultimately, we decided that our, we just felt like our family wasn't complete, and we had another baby, and, um, you know, we said, well, we're going to have this child for the next 60 years in our life. You know, we're going to have a few difficult years maybe with Dylan, but, you know, hopefully things will smooth out. And it took a while for them to smooth out, of course, but uh, as you read in our, in our book, Chasing the Rabbit, but it was all part of the process, and through dealing with Dylan, um, we, I think, became better parents to our other children, and, and honestly, they became better people because um, my daughters are incredibly uh, generous and understanding of people with, with challenges because they lived it going through uh, life with Dylan. And my wife and I have been very impacted as well, obviously. One of the biggest things that we, you, you know, you ask about how it impacted us as a couple, and one of the things that I, I've talked about before and I talk about in our book is how my wife and I had very different what I call battle strategies, uh, where she had one approach to dealing with Dylan and I had another approach to dealing with Dylan, and, and those sometimes created conflict. In the end, you know, we always, we were, we were very blessed in our marriage being very strong that we always came out with a united front, uh, but it, it's a very difficult thing for a couple to go through. So would you think that is your biggest challenge that you had was the different approaches that you and your wife came to uh, dealing with the diagnosis, or would you say something else was a bigger challenge? Well, that was probably the biggest challenge between us, uh, just figuring out, and, I, and we didn't even realize it until years later when we kind of sat down uh, I think we were out for dinner one night, actually, and kind of talked about how uh, my my strategy for dealing with Dylan and how I looked at the whole family as a unit uh, was kind of the the whole battle strategy being keep the unit together and and if there's a someone something has to be sacrificed, then something has to be sacrificed. And in, in my case, sadly, looking back, and it's kind of hard to say now, but it was Dylan, and and I was willing to sacrifice Dylan, so to speak, uh, to make sure that the family unit, the marriage, and the, and the girls and the family stayed together. My wife, on the other hand, uh, her battle strategy was kind of the leave no man behind. And so if the whole ship was going down, uh, she was going to hold on and, and, and hold on to Dylan until the, the ship hit the bottom of the sea. And so when you compare those strategies, how we dealt with Dylan was often very difficult. Uh, working to try to stay on a united front, but um, ultimately we did. And and when it came right down to it, we always um, we always found a way to work together for Dylan's ultimate um, benefit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, I'm sure we made some some bad decisions at the time, uh, but 
at the time, you know, you you make the best decision you can make it at the in the moment. And uh, but there were a, a lot of things that we dealt with over the years with Dylan um, that I I detail in our book. And there's you know too much to go through, obviously, on a, on a short interview. But um, Dylan had some some tough days, and I'm sure he could he could tell you more about that himself. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Reach MD. I'm your host, Paul Rakuski, and I'm speaking with Derek and Dylan Volk. We're talking about autism spectrum disorder. So, Dylan, I do want to change the conversation and start uh, bringing you in. So, can you s- describe a typical day for yourself? Um, every day is different. It uh, depends on whether I'm working or not, and if I'm not working, um, a typical day is uh, kind of stressful. I'm not good with time management. I still struggle with it, and organi- organizing and prioritizing is rough. Like, I feel like, I'm sure many people feel this way. There's there's 500 different things that I need to do, and I don't know which one I should do first, and they all seem important, and it seems like if I don't do them, something bad will happen for each one you know, for each reason. So I just try to get as many things done every day as I can. It's really all I can do, you know, errands and whatever. So since that's a very challenging aspect for you, do you have a specific strategy that you follow to to help make that more bearable? No, I don't. I don't. That's why it's so... If if I did, it wouldn't be so challenging. (laughs) The only strategy I really... I've been able to do is just do it, you know, just try as hard as I can to figure out what order I could do things in and what I can get done today and what should get done today, and then I just go knock it out and hope that I get as much done as possible. But I just never know whether it's the right thing or not. So you say you are employed. That's excellent. What, uh, what are you doing? Uh, at the moment, I'm a driver at uh, a restaurant. They, uh, I've done delivery driving jobs, and uh, I found a restaurant where they actually have their own cars, which is really awesome because I get tips and full hourly pay. So, and I don't have to use my car, you know, for gas and wear and tear and whatnot. So it's a great job, and uh, I've had it about a month. So, I mean, that really doesn't mean anything. So, I mean, by the time this airs, I could not have it. But uh, right now, I do, yeah. Well, that's great that you have a, that you have a job. That's wonderful. Bill's also working on a comedy career as well. On a comedy career? Yeah. And you live independently, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. And not just independently that you're out of the house, but you're in a totally different location from your parents. So you're able to not only hold employment, but you're able to actually go and live in a different city outside of where your core uh, support system is located in your parents. Yeah, but I'm not really able to hold employment. That is the thing. I'm able to get employment, but I'm not able to hold it. I'm very good at getting jobs, and I've always struggled at keeping jobs. What do you think your biggest challenge has been with that regard? It's because it's a completely different skill set to get a job than it is to keep a job. To maintain a job is, you know, all all the stuff that uh, that it it takes. And getting a job is just presentation skills and first impressions. 
that's really all it is. And, uh, you know, knowing what to say, knowing the right answers, it's kind of like acting. And I'm very good at that, like out of the park. But uh, keeping jobs is, um, is, is all the things that my learning disability and autism has me struggling with. But, yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a challenge. Well, I know as people, we always stress so much on what our challenges are, but let's talk about your strengths. What do you think your strengths are? Um, like I said, I would say speaking, um, being able to memorize things. So uh, goes into like knowing what to say in a job interview and uh, being able to present myself well and make a memorable impression on people, make people laugh. And those are my strengths. Well, those are some great strengths to work off of, so that's awesome. Yeah, Dylan, is, Dylan has done a great job. It's really uh, a great success story. If, and if you, I talked to Dylan a few weeks ago, and he was having one of those days where he was really struggling with, with what, to, what to do with his day and, and feeling very overwhelmed. And I reminded him that if you read our book, there's nobody reading this book that's going to be three-quarters of the way through the book that's going to think it ends with Dylan living independently in Austin, Texas. Uh, he really has done a great job uh, taking the, the skills that he's learned and the programs that he's been in and, and using them to, to live independently um, as, much as, as much as he can. And, you know, obviously we're helping him out financially uh, but he he gets up and and does his day and and you know he calls us when he needs to. But um, most of the time he's he's doing a great job living on his own and working on this comedy career, putting out a a series of videos you can get on on YouTube at Dylon Comedy D I E L A W N is comedy, and uh, they're really hysterical and and hopefully that'll lead to something bigger for him. Yeah. Well, excellent luck with that, and uh, I wish you all the best in that regard. Um, I want to switch gears just briefly because our primary audience here are medical professionals, and since both of you have seen many doctors over the years, I'd like to get your input on what kind of advice you would give to a medical professional when they're working with individuals diagnosed with autism. Well, as you know, autism is a spectrum, and is and there's such a huge range of of what people are capable of. Uh, we had doctors over the years tell us um, everything from "there's nothing wrong with Dylan," it's just poor parenting. Uh, to that was before we had the di- but, uh, that was after we had the diagnosis, actually. Uh, to people telling us that uh, Dylan was incapable of love, and I think the one thing that we've learned, and I think that Dylan has learned as well, is you don't don't put people in a in a box with autism because uh, you really don't know what they're capable of. Dylan spoke about it when we spoke at the main autism conference a few weeks ago. He talked about how people see him and they make assumptions because he does present very well, and so they make assumptions that. That there's nothing wrong, and then he ends up disappointing them or or not meeting those expectations. But then he's also met people on the other side that people meet, and because of their presentation, they may underestimate what they can do. So 
Uh, you really have to just kind of play it out and see what people are capable of because uh, as Dylan's proven, I think it's is proven beyond what a, a lot of people would expect from him. Uh, he, he's exceeded a lot of the expectations that people have after knowing him, um, but then at, at the same time, he struggles every day when people overestimate him because they don't see him with a disability. So it's, a, it's such a, a range of capabilities. It's really hard to pin down. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's much more common that you meet people with autism where you underestimate them than somebody who you overestimate because they don't seem like they have anything wrong with them. I've only met like one or two other kids with Asperger's that are like that. It's, it's, it's not a common thing. So people don't really get it. You like, you know, that's not a thing, you know, and people, if usually people seem capable, they are. Like if people seem like they don't have anything wrong with them, they're not severely learning, you know, have severe learning disabilities. That's, you know, that's not a very common thing. Well, my thanks to both Derek and Dylan for joining me today. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having us. You can get our book at chasingtherabbit.org. Can I make a uh, quick plug about my comedy? By all means. Okay. Check out my comedy uh, if you're curious as to what all the struggles we've been talking about has surmounted to on Dylan Comedy on YouTube. That's D-I-E-L-A-W-N Comedy. If you just Google that, you'll find it. So my thanks again to my guest, Derek Volk, author of Chasing the Rabbit and his son, Dylan. We've been discussing Autism Spectrum Disorder. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. I've been your host, Paul Rakuski, and thank you for joining.